Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. The first ever Cisco provider Elevate two-day virtual event is September 14th and 15th to start the journey with thought leaders from around the world. With 55 speakers, 22 educational and interactive sessions, networking happy hours, and a self-assessment to help you grow. And best of all, it's free. Registration link right in the description. Hey, this is Carl. Welcome back to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Jim Goldman, who is uh, an author of eight books, uh, and he is a nationally published author and frequently requested speaker and subject matter expert on relevant technical topics such as what we're going to talk about today, which is cybersecurity. Welcome, sir. Oh, thank you, Carl. It's great to be here. So uh, I gave you the tiny intro. Why don't you give us a kind of a fuller picture of who you are and, and how you got here? Okay, well, I'll do my best. So uh, Jim Goldman, I've been in the cybersecurity space for about 30 years, which for those of you that know cybersecurity means I've been at it since day one. And uh, that's not really an exaggeration. Um, I started my career in this space when I took a professorship at Purdue University to start the network engineering degree program there. And then that led to something that at the time was called network security. There wasn't even such a thing as cybersecurity. And eventually network security became information security. And then I started the cyber forensics program there. And then we got some early funding and I started something called the Purdue Malware Research Lab. We were doing some very early and interesting work on reverse engineering malware. And uh, that's when the FBI came to visit me in a good way, not a bad way. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, asked me to get a top secret security clearance, which I did. And I had the honor of uh, serving as a task force officer with the FBI Cybercrime Task Force for five years. And I served on both uh, criminal and national security cyber squads with the FBI. And then uh, after that, I uh, left higher ed, went back to the private sector and took a job as the first vice president of information security at a B2C SaaS company here in Indianapolis by the name of Exact Target. They were early pioneers in the digital marketing space. Uh, went through ISO 27001 certification with them. In 2013, uh, they were acquired by Salesforce and became the Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And so I spent a total of eight years at Salesforce, retiring in 2019 as uh, Vice President of Security Governance, Risk Management, and Compliance for all of Salesforce globally. You know, it's interesting uh, the, for, for people who are, have only been in this industry, I'd say 10 years or less, they always think about secure by default, but a lot of, when you go back 30 years, the internet was insecure by default when it was built. <laughs> I mean, so, I literally could enter a code and get every user at Purdue University. <laughs> Carl, you are absolutely right because the internet was a 
research only network, right? And security was never even a consideration. And today we consider that preposterous, right? Right. But, but it was, there was literally no reason to worry about security because it was a closed community of university researchers. Yeah. I, first time I hooked up a commercial company to the internet was 1993. And I had to write an essay of why we should have access to this public resource. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. But, but the interesting thing is that that has an overflow till today because Absolutely. a lot of the remnants of that are still out there. A lot of the openness is still there by default. Uh, you know, we've all heard the phrase, you know, the, the data just want to be free. Uh, and, you know, the hackers use that as an excuse to <laughs> steal your data and, and give it to somebody else. Uh, You're so. absolutely right. You know, from both a philosophical standpoint and a technical standpoint, we continue to carry that initial, I'll call it baggage now, was with all good intent at the time. We continue to carry that baggage forward to this date. Do you think, I mean, you know, passing judgment on, you know, people who built the Internet, uh, do you think that was a mistake or do you think it was the right thing to do at the time as it was evolving? Yeah, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do at the time. Yeah. In the context, you know, we all make decisions in the context of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. And I think it was it was a genius um, contribution really to mankind, if you stop and think about it, um, that you know, was perfectly designed for the time in which it was brought into existence. So it's interesting because today, you know, we have this, you know, evolving terminology of cybersecurity and uh, ransomware. When you use the term malware, I, I had almost a flashback to, you know, like it, it sounded almost innocent. Like old, this old, is stuff old. that these... You know, the, the, these kids in their basement are creating this stuff that mucks with your computer system. But now it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It's and maybe even a trillion dollar industry. It's pretty amazing. No one knows, really. And it isn't, an, you are correct. It is an entire economy unto itself. In other words, there are uh, ransomware distributors. There are ransomware hosting companies. There are yeah. there are companies that handle the financial transactions. There are yeah, and, and I mean the, the bad guys on the dark web have like discount coupons for multiple time victims. Absolutely <laughs> right. Ransomware. It's ridiculous. Uh, it is an entire economy, and and in many ways the scariest part of the ransomware economy is no one really knows where these millions or perhaps billions of dollars end up. In other words, the, the criminals themselves can only buy so many expensive cars and homes and so forth and so on. Where are those rest of those millions going? Right. So um, tell us about, you're with, with is it uh, Trava Security? Trava Security. And so, so what does Trava do and, uh, and what are you up to these days? So I, I really, um, my passion for Trava came from the combination of two experiences that I, I mentioned. So let me just talk about that a little bit. When I was with the FBI 
and I, I was investigating, um, you know, criminal activity in commercial industries. What I realized was that when it was an enterprise scale company that was victimized, they nearly always survived just fine. There may have been some brand damage for a period of time, but in the long run, they were fine. It was quite the opposite with small, medium-sized businesses. When a small, medium-sized business suffered some type of cyber criminal activity, the majority of the time, the entire company went out of business. It literally ceased to exist. And that always really kind of rubbed me wrong. And then when, when I, if you fast forward to my last experience at Salesforce, what we were doing there when I started the governance risk management and compliance program there, everything was done through the lens of cyber risk management. In other words, we understood what our risks were, we prioritized our risks, and then when we went to invest in a cybersecurity project, be it technology or people or engineering or whatever, it had to tie back to one of those risks. So everything is managed through the lens of cyber risk. And then we would report on the progress on that project. You know, Did the risk get mitigated to the extent that we thought it would, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, okay, how can we take that technique, managing a cyber security program through a lens of risk management, how can we take that technique and make it affordable and understandable and digestible for the small and medium-sized business? So when that's you... what private security is all about. So when you say that the these SMBs uh, went out of business, is it because of the cost of the ransomware or the cost of the lost data? Because it used to be the story that, you know, whatever, 60% of companies that lose their data go out of business within six months, right? Right. right. And it wasn't about the cost of ransomware. So no. has that shifted? So I was, so I can't speak to what's going on today. I served in the, FBI from 2008 to 2013, ransomware was relatively unknown then. Right. So it literally was the loss of the data, the loss of reputation, the loss of customer confidence. So, yeah, but today, ransomware a few years ago was $100, $200, and now it's 1.7 million. <laughs> exactly. Ransomware used to be kind of what we call the script kitties back in the day. In other words, it was almost like a, a fun thing. Ha ha, we locked up your data. Give us a hundred dollars, we'll unlock it, right? right? Then someone said, whoa, there's big business here. There's a lot of money here. Right, well, you do the, the hundred times a, a million victims and soon you have enough money to hire programmers to do more sophisticated and, attacks. And it became an industry unto itself. That's exactly yeah. right, yeah. Um, so, so what are the specific services that Trava offers? So um, if you look at the risk management process, there's really only three pieces. There's risk assessment, there's risk mitigation, and then there's risk transfer. So on the risk assessment piece, we've developed our own software platform to do risk management and vulnerability assessment and management. And it's tailored for non-technical, small and medium-sized business. You don't have to be a security engineer to run our platform. So the first thing is, all right, let's take our heads out of the sand and let's see exactly where we are and where we need to be. That's the assessment piece. The second piece is if you'd like some help in 
planning how to mitigate, in other words, how to uh, make progress from where you are to where you'd like to be, that insight, that strategic insight that most companies would have to hire an expensive chief information security officer for, we have highly experienced chief information security officers that work on a fractional basis at a very reasonable cost. So small and medium-sized businesses get top-tier talent for a very affordable cost to take them from where they are to where they wanna be. We put together that risk management program. And then the final piece is at any point in time, we're able to evaluate the amount of what's called residual risk or risk that has been mitigated left. And, and we offer cyber insurance to those same companies. And that's really the big bridge, if you will, the big kind of thing that's so unusual about Trava is, you know, people ask us, so are you a SaaS company or are you an insurance company? And the answer is yes. So uh, uh, who regulates you, the insurance industry? So on the insurance side, we are, we are a licensed agency. I am a licensed producer. My co-founder is a licensed producer. That's exactly right. All righty. So when, um, when folks engage you uh, with this assessment, is it an app? Like, do they download a tool or is it a, like a big 250-page uh, printout? <laughs> no. So, yeah, that's a good question. So it, it is a software platform. It's an app. It's a Trava app. You can, you know, get a free trial. You can check it out for free on our website. So yes, it absolutely is a platform. The assessment and planning piece is all on our platform. There's a dashboard that shows you here's your vulnerabilities. Here's, you know, your current risk posture. Here's your risk rating. Here's your risk rating over time. Is it going up? Is it going down? And uh, let's just uh, take a second and, and give that website and we'll put it in the notes below so everybody can download it. Uh, but uh, it's a Trava security. So T-R-A-B-A security.com. Uh, is that the best place to go? Yep. One word, www.travasecurity.com. So when folks download that, do you expect it to be downloaded like by the IT uh, consultant who's working with the client or... Uh, should a client engage an IT consultant? So there's no need to download. They, they literally just sign up and they log. It's a cloud-based you know, application. So they get a user ID, they set a password, and you know, they log into the application. It's very self-explanatory. Uh, they can you know, put in their information and run vulnerability scans. They can answer the survey and, and get their risk rating based off of the, the survey. Um, the whole point is that it's not, again, overly technical. Uh, many small and medium-sized businesses, you know, outsource their IT and perhaps their security to what's called a managed service provider or an MSP or an MSSP. And we work through MSPs and MSSPs very frequently. We have them as partners. So in some cases, we work with customers directly. In some cases, we work through MSPs and MSSPs. So 97.8% uh, of my audience is MSPs. So uh, do you have like a partner program for MSPs? Absolutely. Yeah, we have a very attractive partner program. And especially with MSPs that 
you know, need to get into the security space, the risk management space, but don't quite know how to do it, don't know how to take that first step. We have that all worked out for them. So one of the things that's happened to the insurance industry in the last, say, five years is it used to be that selling cybersecurity was, uh, was kind of like the, uh, the extended warranty. It was 100% profit. They never had to do anything for the work. I could check all the boxes and say, nope, no firewall, no, no, no yeah. passwords. No, no, I haven't done one thing to secure myself. And I paid the same rates as somebody else. Well, then ransomware came along and now the insurance companies are losing their shorts because unlike health insurance or uh, life insurance, they don't have 150 years of statistics about the probability that I'm going to get attacked. So does your system allow you to offer lower rates to people who actually are doing something to defend themselves? So that is absolutely the plan. And that is the beauty of us having the comprehensive solution. Because we have the assessment piece, we have a comprehensive risk posture of all of our clients. And so in some sense, there's no need to fill out an application subject to interpretation with anywhere from five to 200 questions. There's almost no need for that because we've got the you know, the risk, the real risk data over time. And what we're doing is we're building what we're calling a cyber loss prediction data platform that will inform the underwriting process and make the insurance issuance that much more reliable. Okay, so, so that sounds great. Next question is if, for example, I say, well, no, I, I, I have these pieces in place, but I don't have those pieces in place. Do I simply pay a little more right now. And then when I get the, the rest of it set up, I hope I get to pay a little less. <laughs> in, in theory, that's how it should work. Absolutely. Because, you know, it won't necessarily be actuarial tables in the sense we all understand actuarial tables, but it will be risk posture quotients, right? Will relate to a certain overall risk Will, re will relate to a loss ratio for groups with that risk. And then we'll say, okay, you know, um, if you go from this score to this score in your risk quotient, or if you add this capability, it would put you in this other group, you know, one tier lower in terms of risk. And here's the historical rates and the historical loss ratios for that group. So, uh is this all nicely color-coded so I can move from uh, red to orange to yellow to, to green? Someday. 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 Okay. Not today. <laughs> not, not quite there yet. So, uh, so if an MSP signs up, is there some kind of, I don't know, training or, or introduction to help them figure out how to, how to present this to clients? And Absolutely. It's what we call our business accelerator. So we're trying to accelerate the MSP's business to be more, you know, to take them from being an MSP to being more of an MSSP or, you know, from an MSP to be in the cyber risk management business, that type of thing. And so we have an entire training program around that, not just on the use of our platform, but also on, you know, the deployment of what we call our VCSO services. 
So, so the the one of the problems with managed service providers is that they really want to do the technical work. They don't want to be selling insurance, or that's what they would have done for a living, right? So, sure. sure. How much does this, you know, basically suck them into that side of the universe versus allow them to simply provide a service, you know, nope. without without learning what all those words mean in that big security document. Well, the insurance piece is easy and clear. They can't, they cannot sell insurance. They cannot even imply that they know anything about insurance. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no, it's highly regulated and right. you know, only licensed individuals are even allowed to talk about it. So the the most one of our MSP partners could say is we work with Travis Security. They're a fully licensed insurance agency. You know, they're kind of our, our partner on the cyber risk management piece. We can put you in touch with someone that would be happy to talk to you about Right. This. And uh, I'm assuming you wouldn't be talking to me if you weren't all across the U.S., but is it a U.S. only offering? Right now it is. That's correct. Yeah. Right. And do does it matter? Do I care like which actual insurance companies you're working with, well, underwriters uh, and so forth? You know, I wouldn't blame you if you did. Uh, right now, we're a broker, and so we write insurance with about ten different carriers, and they're they're all of the you know primary carriers in at least the cyber field that you would know. Right. So um, do you expect this to change much? I mean, right, because right now we're like, it's on all the headlines and the politicians yeah. have discovered our universe. And, you know, uh, do you expect this to change a great deal in the coming years? The ransomware piece or the cyber insurance piece or both? Both, I would say. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> I think something's going to have to be done about ransomware and the individuals that are perpetrating it. Um, and again, I don't have any, you know, privileged knowledge into the intelligence community. For all I know, things are in the works to deal with this in, in ways that, you know, we don't understand, right? But that's point number one. We cannot allow this ransomware to continue on the trajectory it's on. That's the first point I'd make. I agree. The second point is on cyber insurance, absolutely something has to change. Um, there is a need uh, for cyber insurance and kind of its first cousin, which is called tech ENO, technical errors and omissions. They're you know slightly different. I won't go into the differences, but they're both they're both needed in today's economy. Like it's like, let's face it, the world is a cyber, the business world is a cyber-based highly technical world and insurance is a fact of life in business always has been. So we need good, reliable, affordable cyber and tech, you know, insurance. And, and do you provide both of those types of insurance? Those are the only two we provide so, okay. cyber and tech, you know, so both cyber and tech, you know, you know, it's funny, uh, this industry, I think, for me, it's always been a very positive, uplifting, forward-looking, you know, we're going to solve the world with technology kind of business. And cybersecurity, just, it's just like, it's kicking our ass, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and so you're right. I mean, it, 
it has to stop like this. Yes. I can't imagine we will be in this situation 10 years from now. Like no, something no, has be. to happen. Yeah. But, you know, here's the funny thing about cybersecurity to your earlier point is if there's anything good that's come from ransomware, it's that business owners and, <clears throat> excuse me, politicians and the general public that wanted to put their head in the sand and say, this will never happen to me. This doesn't concern me. I don't need to worry about this. It's like, you can't say that anymore. It's, and we've even seen, you know, since the headlines about ransomware, there's been a huge uptick in awareness, a huge uptick in saying, I can't ignore this anymore. You know, I don't know what I don't know. I can't sleep at night. I've got to do something. And so that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. The We're now at this weird stage where, I don't know, any minute you expect something to happen. The right? next headline, right? You're waiting, yeah, I mean, waiting for the next headline to come across. I, I went, you know, I took a trip with a friend and, you know, I went to Nashville on for the 4th of July. And that weekend, a whole bunch of people had a very bad weekend, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, you're just lucky it wasn't you. And people who brag like, oh, uh, my stuff didn't get hit. It's like, okay, give it time. You know, time. you're on the list. <laughs> and there's been enough of these frequently enough that the savvy individual is saying just what you said. It's just a matter of time. I need to stop ignoring this like it doesn't exist. I need to get serious about it. I need to take an honest look at the cybersecurity posture of my own company or my own organization or my own nonprofit. As you know, with ransomware, no one's immune. They right. said they wouldn't hit hospitals and then they hit hospitals. Well, especially when something spreads randomly on its own, like you right. can't say you're not going to hit anybody. Right. Um, so you started out by talking about how, you know, the, the enterprise, they can afford the penalty, they can afford the, the, the government regulation, they can afford the cleanup, they can afford the insurance. Um, so are you primarily focused on SMB? Only. Only SMB? Mm -hmm. Very cool. And, and so when folks get started, like say, and we're almost out of time, but if a managed service provider wants to look into this, how long does it take them to sort of learn what they need to know to take it to their clients and say, hey, I, I want to talk to you about this. So we have something that they can take immediately. Um, and it's on our website. It's called a cyber risk checkup. And, you know, so an MSP can, and we've had new partners sign up and start doing this uh, with their clients the day they sign up and they start having their conversations because the cyber risk checkup has a whole, um, uh, booklet report it's as much education as it is findings and so basically they just walk through this and share okay we did the cyber risk checkup at a very high level here's what we found and then they can say now do you want to talk about it further would you like some help here's what we can do that type of thing so and is this uh, based on a uh uh cmmc or some other standard that folks are going to be familiar with so that particular one is just looking, it's just using the vulnerability scanning part of our platform. So it's saying things like, okay, did you know you have these ports and services open? 
you know, did you, did you know that you had compromised email addresses that were for sale on the dark web? The, the, the easy stuff. So, so folks can get involved straight away and I'm assuming there's no charge for the partner program. No, no it's free. Yeah, that's a public service kind of thing. Very cool. Uh, all right, well, we're essentially out of time. Is there anything uh, else you wanna add before we go? It's been my pleasure. I greatly appreciate it. And we're, we're here to help. Very good. Well, again, travasecurity.com and we'll put the links down below as well as your Twitter and, uh, and LinkedIn stuff. So if folks wanna get in touch with you or have any questions, they can find you. Very good, Jim Golden from Trava Security. Thank you for being with us. This has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.